0: Ah, so good to be with you. Hey, before the message today, we have a a special treat that I think will be an encouragement to you. Uh, After the devastating fires on the island of Maui, we as a church decided to take up a love offering and to send it to a local church over there to help them not only with all of the families within their church body that lost their homes and everything in the fires, but they were a hub to help so many others on the island of Maui as well. And last week, we received a uh, message from one of the pastors of that church wanting to thank all of you for your offering. So we're gonna play that for you right now before the message this morning. Please watch the screens.
1: Aloha, the Oasis Church from Maui. My name is Pastor Ben Bryson, and I am a member here at Citizen Church in Lahaina. I wanna thank you for your financial support, your prayer support uh, in this very difficult time. The people of West Maui have been ravaged by the fires. Our lives have literally been turned upside down and seeing uh, people from the mainland give generously as you did uh, means the world to us. Uh, It literally is a testimony that God loves these people through your financial gifts, through your prayers and through your continued support. Uh, aloha, uh, mahalo nui loa, as they say here in Maui. Thank you very much for your love and your support as you continue to proclaim the gospel in tangible ways, not only here, but throughout the world. God bless you. Bye-bye. Thank you.
0: Yeah. You know, we just sung about we never walk alone because God is always with us. But God also designed his people, his body, to be there for one another. And I thought that was very appropriate to play that before the message and after our worship today, because it also ties not only our worship with the message today, but just as a great bridge into what we're going to be talking about today. Psalm 25 this morning is where we're going to be as we continue our series on David the worshiping warrior of God. I want you to think about this as we go through this psalm today. David is walking down a difficult road, a difficult path. It is a road that is too difficult to walk without the companionship and friendship Of God, and he's learning how to navigate this. Some of you in our church family right now are walking down a difficult road, and I want you to be encouraged and strengthened by our worship today and by the word. And I want to encourage you at the end of our service, we're going to ask those of you that are walking down a difficult road right now to come and let me pray for you. But I also want to encourage some of you, maybe you're not going through or walking down a difficult path right now in your life, but you know of somebody who is, and they are in your thoughts and prayers continually. I want you to think about standing in for them and also allowing us to pray for them through your presence here at the end of the service this morning. When we get to this point of in David's life, remember, David and Jonathan have now sort of parted. Jonathan was the greatest, best, most precious friend that David will ever have in his life. And yet because Jonathan's father Saul is seeking to end David's life, David is now on the run. He's running from Saul. And he doesn't have a friend to be with him. He, he's doing this all alone. Sometimes we may feel that way in our lives as well, and we're going to look at that in just a moment. But as we get into this passage this morning, I want to make this statement. At this time in David's life, he doesn't need a map to navigate the road. He needs a guide, and there's a difference. Many of you know of my interest in history. If I'm not in the Bible, I've studied history, especially American history, and there's even a particular part of American history that has interested me because of where I grew up and where I was born more than any other, and it's our Civil War history. And I can tell you, from going to those Civil War battlefields back east, like Antietam and Bull Run and especially Gettysburg, that when you get to those Civil War battlefield sites, they'll hand you a map. And that map can literally trace out everything on that battlefield you can go to. And it's not that the map isn't helpful. To to some degree, it's very helpful. But I remember after going The first few times, I had a park ranger who said, have you ever had a battlefield guide? I said, no. He said, oh. He said, that map's good, but you will learn so much more by having a guide go with you. Because that guide, they know every inch of that battlefield. They know all the nuances. They know every every regiment and every person that fought at that particular place they know where the battle started they know where the battle ends and they know everything in between in fact in order to become a battlefield guide at Gettysburg you have to take a test that I've heard others say because I actually started to to go down that road It was something I was going to do in my spare time back east right There was a a particular gentleman who had already earned a PhD in linguistics at the University of Pennsylvania who said that all the tests he ever took to get the higher degrees was nothing in comparison to how hard the test was to be a battlefield guide at, at Gettysburg. You literally have to know everything about everything. So I say all that to say that's exactly what we need as, as much as a map is a help, it's so much more of a help when we have somebody who knows every bit of the terrain that we're going to go down, knows every twist and turn, knows every nuance, knows the best way to get us through, if you will, the minefield that we're walking through. And there's nobody better qualified in all of our lives at any time in our life, no matter what road we're talking about, than the Lord. Because he knows all things. He goes before his people down that difficult road. And if anybody can get us through our difficult times, our challenging times, it's God. He said to his own people, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And if you want to know the way, then just be willing to follow me. So with that, as we get into Psalm 25 this morning, this psalm does not teach us how God helps us. It teaches us and reminds us who the person is that God is willing and able to help. And I'd like to actually begin towards the end of the psalm in verse 16. Because I'm using sort of a a modern way to describe where David's at at this point. But the first person, if you will, the first kind of person, the first characteristic of a person that God's help is the one who is tapped out. (laughs) Because that's where David was at this point. He is tapped out. Notice verse 16. Turn toward me and have mercy on me. I am alone and oppressed. David feels like he's all alone. Now we know, obviously, God's with him. And that's why he's turning to God but he feels as if he's all alone. And like I said, we know he's already left the presence of his dearest, best, greatest friend he'll ever have. So in a sense, he does feel very alone at this point. There have been times in my life, and I'm sure your life, where you felt like God was the only one you had that he was the only one you can turn to. And do you know, in those times of our life, we do find out that God is truly the only one we need. When he's all that we have, we find out that he's truly all that we need. And David was discovering that. He had no other human, he had no other human resources All he had to cling to was his God. And notice the word oppressed, because that word oppressed also has the meaning of depressed and discouraged. David wasn't just feeling that the walls were closing in on him, that the pressure was mounting. But because of all that he had been through in these last couple of weeks, remember, David had experienced six attempts on his life, six, in just a short amount of time. And so David feels like the world is closing in on him, and he is on the run for his life. And he's had now his friend taken from him, and everyone around him taken from him, and he's on the run And he's all alone, and he's beginning not only to feel lonely, as sometimes we do, he's beginning to feel depressed and discouraged. He is tapped out. That's why you'll notice throughout this last part of the psalm, he says, verse 16. Turn toward me, God. Have mercy on me. Verse 17, deliver me. Verse 17, rescue me. Verse 18, see me. Forgive me. Watch my enemies. Verse 20, protect me and deliver me. The great thing about our God is this. When you and I have no one else or nothing else to turn to, God is always there for us. You may feel you're tapped out right now, like you can't take another thing. Turn to God. Because God can sustain us and strengthen us when we have nothing else left. Remember Isaiah 40. Even young people get weary and faint. But those that learn to wait on the Lord can renew their strength through Him and keep on going. There have been a few days in my life, not many, because I have lived a blessed life. And even in those days, I lived a blessed life because I realized I had God and God never left me. But there have been a few days in my life where I didn't feel like getting up in the morning. I didn't feel like getting out of bed. I didn't feel like putting one foot on the floor and going through the day. I was done. And yet God was there. And I felt his presence there. And and, and it was almost like I could hear God say, Jeff, I'm going to get you through this day. You may not even know how I'm going to get you through this day, but I'm going to get you through this day And then we'll worry and talk about tomorrow when it gets here. But let's just focus on today. And day after day, God got me through. If you and I at any time in our life are like David and we feel like we are tapped out, no, God is always there for us. You see, we never have to feel like we are at a loss. Like we don't have anyone or anything to turn to. God is always there. We never have to feel hopeless or helpless as God's people. But then if you go back to the beginning of the psalm, this psalm also reminds us that God not only helps the tapped out, he helps the trusting. Those who are learning to trust in him. Notice in verse 1, David writes, oh Lord, I come before you in prayer. I'm bringing all my stuff. (laughs) We can always turn to the Lord and we can always talk to God about anything and everything and just bring it all to him. We don't have to figure it out. We don't have to have anything solved because God's the one that can sort it all out and solve it for us. All we have to do is turn to God and just bring all of our stuff. And maybe that's where you are today. Maybe you've been trying to, you know, solve it and figure it out and reason it and and everything. And you're just not getting anywhere and it's only adding to your frustration. All God is saying to you is just come, just bring it all to me and let me sort it all out for you. I love the invitation of our Lord in Matthew 11. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. God just wants us to come. And that's what David's doing. And then notice verse two. My God, I trust in you. You are my confidence. My hope is you. Oh, that we would remember that that when we have no one or nothing else, our hope and our confidence can always be in God. Now, it's not like Jonathan turned his back on David, but was not just as a season, he just couldn't be there for his friend. But there's times we know where human beings, they forsake us, they abandon us, they leave us. We can't always count or rely or depend upon them. But God is always there for us. And he just wants us to learn that when we're tapped out, we can turn to him and that we can trust him every step of the way. Every moment, every second of our lives. And David was learning to do that more and more. And that's what God wants to do with us. He wants us to learn and grow in our trust of him. To be able to rest in him. And have our hope and our expectation and our confidence in in him. And notice what David cries out in verse 2 to God. Please don't let me be humiliated. Another Way to translate this Hebrew word is to be ashamed or even more accurately, disappointed. God, if I'm going to put my trust in you, David's saying, don't ever let me get to a place in my life where I look back and I'm sorry I trusted you. Well, guess what? Look at what he says in verse 3. Certainly, none who do rely or depend or look to you will ever be disappointed Or ashamed or humiliated and if you and I have walked with God any length of time we know that to be true we know that even though our faith in God may have wavered at times that God was always there he always came through for us his promises were always trustworthy and reliable and dependable God can always be counted on and there will be never a time in eternity where any of the people of God look back and go, I was sorry I trusted God. I was ashamed that I put my trust in God because I was humiliated. I was disappointed that I put everything on the line for God. There will never be a person that trusts God that has that feeling. David says in verse 2, God, do not let my enemies triumphantly rejoice over me. Those, verse 3, who deal in treachery will be thwarted and humiliated. Then notice what he says in verse 5 at the end. On you, God, I rely all day long. I can't just get up in the morning and start depending on you and looking to you. I've got to continually depend and rely and look to you all through the day. Just to get through. Then if you go over to verse 20, And 21, notice at the end of verse 20, he says, God, I've taken shelter in you. The word shelter means refuge. It's it's where David has put his trust. He's again saying, God, I put my trust in you to be my protection, my shelter, my refuge as those who are hunting me down or coming after me. And then again in verse 21, I rely on you. And I love this word in the original language for rely. It's a beautiful picture. It's literally a word that speaks about binding something together or twisting it in to something else to where the tension, if you will, produces strength. You and I get that especially those of you that have any kind of, say, athletic even background or even weight training in your background. Because there's this principle in weight training that time under tension creates strength. We know that to be true. Back, way back in the days when Jeff lifted weights, which was when the dinosaurs roamed the earth. It was a long time ago. I remember that principle. It wasn't just about getting the weight up. It was about holding it there and letting that tension of holding that weight up begin to create and develop those muscles. That same principle is true spiritually. That's why sometimes in our life and in seasons of our life, God will allow us to be under that kind of tension, if you will. He wants us to learn in those hard, difficult days to continue to tie ourselves in and bind ourselves into him, sort of twisting our lives further into him to where we are creating a supernatural strength for us. Because time under tension creates strength. And God has said to us all along, I never promised that your lives on earth would be easy. What I have promised is that through me, I can make you strong enough to be able to navigate whatever the circumstances are. That's why Paul said in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Too many of us as Christians today are asking God for easier lives more comfortable lives instead of asking him to make us stronger people to be able to rise to the challenges in which we face. The trusting, the tapped out. But there's another, the teachable. The teachable are the kind of people that God certainly helps. Look at verse four. David cries out to God, make me understand. And then notice these next two words, your ways, O Lord. Not my ways, your ways. Verse four, teach me your paths. Guide me, verse five, into your truth and teach me. David is coming before God and saying, look God, this road you've got me on or this road I'm finding myself on right now, it's a difficult road. Will you give me some kind of, Insight, some kind of understanding to the road that I am on here. I don't want you necessarily to take me off the road. I just want you to give me some kind of wisdom and insight and understanding of why I'm on the road that I'm on. Because I don't want to get on a different road if you're not going to be on that road. Because one of the things that we're learning through our time of studying David's life and what we learn through our study of the book of Job is no matter how hard the road is the worst thing we can do is disconnect ourselves from God And say, God, I'm done with you. I'm disillusioned with you. I'm disenchanted with you. Why are you having me walk down this road? So I'm just going to cut and run. And I'm going to go over here and do my own thing. And I'm going to separate myself from you. Because it's only when we are in companionship, friendship, and partnership with God are we going to be able to get through these difficult times and to do it thriving and do it triumphantly. If we don't keep partnering with God, we're going to crash and burn. And so David is saying, God, I come before you humbly. I just want to know your way. I don't want to make this about my way and go down my path. You've got me on this path. Just give me insight and understanding and knowledge and wisdom as to why I'm on this path. Then notice verse 8. The Lord is both kind and fair. That is why he teaches sinners the right way to live. May he show the humble, the teachable what is right. May he teach the humble, the lowly, the needy his way. Because as we've learned in the Bible, his ways are not our ways. And he has told us in his word, there is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof is death. In other words, we think, oh, that's the way I should go. And God says, that way will lead you down to the loss of all that's worthwhile in your life. You follow me and come my way. But here's where the rub is, right? In Matthew seven thirteen and 14, Jesus says, oh, wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to the loss of all that's worthwhile. But there's a lot of people running down that road, that path. You know why? Because he says the road that leads to life, real living from God's perspective, is difficult. And few want to go down that path. Now, many people have interpreted Matthew 7:13 and 14 as Jesus just talking about salvation. No. It's way bigger than that. Yes, those verses can be applied to salvation, but they really speak to our whole of life. And Jesus said, "In the world you will have trouble and suffering. My way is the way of the cross." My way for you is to deny yourself every day, to take up your cross and follow me. That's not an easy life. That's not an easy way. And so if we're going to go the way of real blessing, because remember, from God's perspective, life is about knowing him, period. Jesus said in John seventeen three, this is eternal life. That they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, your son, whom you sent. That's life. So God is saying sometimes taking you down hard, difficult roads allows you the opportunity to know me in a way you could never know me otherwise. And that's real living. See, we even in America, especially as Christians, think that real living is about being, you know, healthy all the time and wealthy and and never having any issues and never having any problems. And God is saying, but in all that, are you really knowing me? Because the highest goal should be that you want to know me and that you want to keep turning and twisting your life into me more and more so that I can create that strength in you that only comes through partnering with me. So we have the tapped out, we have the trusting, we have the teachable. Then notice over in verse 12, we've got the trustworthy. The trustworthy are those that God helps as well. Verse 12, the Lord shows his faithful, devoted, committed, consecrated conscientious followers the way they should live because you and I aren't going to be able to follow God at a distance and be on the fringe with God and say well God I'll dip my toe in with you you know I'll 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 pray maybe once a week and you know go to church maybe once a month and I'll crack the Bible maybe a couple times in a month and all of that and you know, I'm just, I'm just sort of going through that. But I'm not really going to be committed. I'm not going to do things, you know, daily. I'm not going to be disciplined in my Christian life. I'm not going to be faithful in anything. And then somehow expect I'm going to get this great insight and this guidance and this counsel from God on what's going on and why it's going on. No, no. The Lord shows his faithful followers the way they should live. Notice verse 14. The Lord's loyal, close, ones who stay near followers receive his guidance, his divine insight and counsel. And it's to them that he reveals his covenant, his affirmation and assurance of his friendship and companionship. The worst thing that Peter did As he was denying the Lord, the Bible says, was he was following the Lord at that moment in his life at a distance. Peter didn't stay close to God, and he crashed and burned because of it. God is saying, you stay close to me no matter what the road is, and not only will I get you through, but I will give you insight that only comes from staying close to me. I will give you guidance I will be your battlefield guide to get you through your battlefield. I will be your minefield guide to help you navigate the minefield that I'm asking you to walk down right now. Because I can do what no one else can do. I'm the Lord. I've got it all mapped out. And you've just got to trust me. And you've got to come to me teachable and humble, and you've got to come before me as one that I can trust with the information that I'm giving because I'm not just going to give that out to those that are not faithful. I'm looking for faithfulness for those that want me more than anything else. Then I'll be able to give you the guidance and the insight One final, verse 15, the transfixed. The tapped out, the trusting, the teachable, the trustworthy, and the transfixed. Because David says, I, verse 15, continually look to the Lord for help. Remember back in the first couple of verses, David says, my hope is you. Here, David is saying, my help is you. And what great bookends for this psalm to remember that God should be our hope at all times and God can be our help at all times. These words that David uses literally mean my eyes are always on the Lord. I never take my eyes off of you throughout the day. I'm transfixed. I am captivated by the person of God. And David looked to the Lord who knew that the Lord's eyes never ceased looking at him. Because the Bible tells us that the eyes of the Lord are always upon his people. God never takes his eyes off of you or me, never. And God doesn't even blink. God literally has us in his sights at all time. So God is just saying, just face me. Look at me. Don't take your eyes off of me, and I can get you down and through this difficult road. And we have a beautiful picture an illustration, an example of this principle in the Bible, right, with Peter on one of his better days. When Peter said, well, Lord, if that's you walking on the water, then bid me to come out and walk toward you. And we know the story. This human being, just like us, literally was able to get out and walk on top of the water towards the Lord as long as He kept his eyes on Jesus. But when he began to get worried and distressed about the winds and the wave and the storm, and he took his eyes off of Jesus, that's when he began to sink. And so David here is saying, may we be transfixed. May we continually Look to the Lord and keep our eyes always upon him. Over and over again, this principle is taught in Scripture. In the book of Hebrews, a book that's all about our endurance and perseverance during difficult times. The author of Hebrews says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. This very day, this very season of your life, some of you may be walking down a difficult, hard road like David found himself. God wants to strengthen you for the journey. I can't tell you how long you're going to be on this road. Only God knows. But I can tell you this. Based upon our worship today and the songs that Nicole chose and based upon the word of God today, God is here in our midst and wants to strengthen his people. And not only those of us who are here, but those who are watching from your homes today, God wants to strengthen you for maybe the difficult road that you are walking down right now. And so I'm going to ask in just a few moments, that when we begin to sing our worship song, that those of you that want to come and and just come before the Lord today to allow him to strengthen you, you, you in a sense, are going to exhibit, God, I'm trusting you. I'm I'm going to exemplify that I'm teachable. I may be tapped out, but I'm, I'm trusting in you. And I'm going to look to you, Lord, for my hope, and my help. Some of you, as I said earlier, maybe you're not walking down a difficult road right now, but you know of somebody in your life that is, and you want to stand in for them today, then you come as well. I'm going to ask Nicole and our worship team to come. And as they come and get settled on the platform, I'm going to ask you to join me in prayer as we close. And would you please stand with me today? You know, I know we have some difficult times and seasons in our life as human beings. All of us have had that. But I want to stand before you today and tell you that I can testify that my God, your God, was faithful, as we sung about today, to me, to Jeff Royce. He got me through days I never thought I could get through humanly. And God can do that for you. He can do that for you today. So won't you come today and let God and just continue to bind yourself tighter and tighter to the Lord. Trust him today like never before. Father, we thank you today for this time in your house for the worship that we've already experienced and for your word. And Lord, I pray today that, Lord, all of us would be encouraged in some way by the story of this young man, David, who isn't even 30 years old yet, and yet he's gonna run for his life. And all he has is you. He's learning, God, how to trust you. He's learning how to turn to you and and look to you. He's learning how to bind himself tighter and tighter to you. And Lord, I pray that we would learn the same thing today. God, make us stronger as only you can. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.